You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. Once again this week, two shows, two for the price of one. We hit week 14 of the NFL season. It's still a jumbled mess, but uh, this is the last week for the buys for you fantasy football players. I know it's always some angst with buys and some big names are off this week, but anyway, this is the last one. We've got two guests today, got a lot of topics to get to, an epic Monday night game in uh, Orchard Park, New York, where the Buffalo Bills play, and somehow Bill Belichick pulled it off. He almost pulled off a game without throwing a pass, but lo and behold, they did throw three. Yes, count them, three passes in an NFL game in 2021, and he wins. I don't know, Alex, what the hell? What did we watch? I feel like I was uh, back in time, like I went back to the past, and I was watching a game 50 years ago when I still wasn't alive, but I was watching it on YouTube or something like that, and somebody like put it out there. Yeah, it was just a really weird game, and you called it, Lou. I mean, you said the Patriots are going to take this division, they're going to beat the Bills. I'm like, no, Lou, that's not going to happen. The Bills are going to take care of business at home. Didn't happen. Belichick has Sean McDermott's number, first of all. Second of all, Bill's offense is broken right now. And it goes a lot deeper than Josh Allen here. It's just the whole offense is just not running at a smooth pace the last few games. It certainly is not the same offense that we saw last year. So they got to fix it. Forget about winning this division. Right now, the Bills are, what, sitting in seventh place after that loss. So they're on the wild card cusp and we all know how many AFC teams are chasing those last couple of spots so I'm gonna say the Bills are in trouble right now and you are right sir I'm not gonna say it's like the Chiefs as far as the Bills are concerned but there are some similarities as far as the offense is sputtering where all of a sudden you've got all this talent you've got the you know the guy pulling the trigger but, you know, are they being too stubborn with just trying to force feed Josh Allen throwing the ball and trying to make plays downfield? I mean, yes, it sounds very familiar to what the, the Chiefs were dealing with. And we talked about it last week with Adam Teicher. And you watch the game on Sunday night against Denver. And yeah, I mean, you know, the offense looks a little bit broken, but they're running the ball. When they did make plays, they were checkdowns and passes to the running backs. McCole Hardman played like nine snaps. You know, one ball came his way. Tyree Kill, ball's going through his hands. Kelsey's dropping passes. So I, I don't know what the deal is. Is it the design? I'm saying this, I'm speaking of both offenses now because the Bills are kind of going through the same thing. The defenses are playing them fairly similar. But... Then when the defenses aren't in that too high shell and, you know, kind of daring them to run, then all of a sudden they're not beating man-to-man like they used to. So everybody has to evolve. Defenses are evolving. The offenses have to evolve. This RPO game, I don't know that you can rely on it consistently 
Obviously, you'd like to see the Bills run the ball a little bit more. I don't know if it's a Singletary problem, if it's a Moss problem. I mean, he's hurt right now. Breida, you know, again, he hasn't been there very long, doesn't get the ball much. So it's going to be a tough watch until they can kind of get that figured out. They play Tampa this week. So, you know, hopefully for a, a viewer's perspective, it becomes a little bit more of an offensive game. But speaking of defenses, the Chiefs defense stood up again this week against Denver. Now, every week we say, well, this week it was Denver. Well, Green Bay didn't have Aaron Rodgers. You know, all these, but, but, but because we've seen the Chiefs defense struggle so much over the years, there are some big differences. We, again, we talked about it last week with Adam Teicher, but they stood up again. And uh, I don't know, for my money, it's a different watch, okay? I mean, you're used to a lot of points going up, but now it's like, hey, Mahomes, don't throw it away. Guys, just focus on catching the ball. It's okay to punt. You know, things that you would never dream of saying, but here we are saying it. But I know, Alex, you had some thoughts on the Chiefs' defense. Yeah, I have to eat my words because in the offseason, I said this Chiefs' defense stinks, and it continued through the first five, six weeks of the season. And I was like, all right, these are the, the old Chiefs that I'm used to. Like, the offense is going to do its part, and the defense is going to stink it up. Well, you know what? They've turned it around. I mean, against Denver, they held them to nine points, four out of 14 on third down for the Broncos. Willie Gay, we talked about him last week. I mean, you and Adam talked about him last week being the X factor. That huge stop on fourth and two to stop the Broncos in the, in the second quarter, that was huge. I mean, just the man made the play. Then we, we saw Sorensen, you know, come up big with that interception return at the end. And, you know, he wasn't going to be denied there. So Mahomes didn't throw a single touchdown against Denver. He throws a pick. He completes less than 50% of his passes. And they still win. The defense carries the day. I didn't think that I was going to say those words in 2021. But I am when it comes to the Chiefs. Well, no one did. I'm hoping that the defense continues to play like this offensively. I mean, it's been talked about ad nauseum. I think there's a lot more to it than the way that the defenses are playing them because even when they don't, like I said, when teams are playing man-to-man, you're not seeing these wide-open receivers running. You know, maybe what a lot of scouts were thinking about Mahomes coming out not everybody. He was kind of a polarizing player, right? I mean, you just heard that he wasn't good in the pocket. He get, gets antsy. He loves to make plays out of the pocket. And for better part of four years, you know, he owned the league, you know, doing that. But, you know, again, defense has evolved. They get paid too. They switch things up. So now he's got to be a little bit more precise with his passing. The receivers have to pay attention a lot more because a lot of these interceptions are, you know, bouncing off of receivers' hands. So they've got to be more consistent. Now we, we'll we'll kind of stop that at this point because we'll just see. Now it's a defensive team. They're going to run the ball, throw the checkdowns, and they're going to play like everybody else used to play. So you know, defense, defense, defense. Let's go to our first guest. A wide receiver for the Western Michigan Broncos and prior to Cleveland, Tennessee. Number 19, Bryce Nunley. Bryce, welcome to Pros Like Us. Well, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for taking some time. I know you guys are uh, probably starting bowl prep at this point. 
But I want to take you back first. High school, I guess. Obviously, you played football, but also played basketball. And you were an all-state decathlete, which you don't see a whole lot of anymore. At least I don't. What was your favorite sport in high school? Easy to say football, so I, I kind of crossed that one out. If I had to choose between basketball and track, I'd probably choose, probably choose basketball. You know, they say basketball is a game of runs. So, you know, kind of going on a run and doing that was all very exciting. And my high school team had some success. My junior year, my senior year, and my freshman year, really, all four years I was there almost, we had some pretty good years. And, you know, it was always fun playing with a you know, group of close friends and, and doing that. So you know, I really enjoyed basketball. How would you describe your game? I wasn't too much of a, a three-point threat. You know, I, I can make some threes here and there, but I, I really like to use the pick and roll. Like have a, you know, four or five come up and set the pick and they roll and dish it out to the three or go in for a layup or pass it back to them. You know, I really like to attack the pain and, and drive and try to use my athleticism to get in the pain and try to make some opportunities for me and, and my teammates. Well, that's cool. I mean, kind of the, that point guard mentality. You also said you're all state for in the decathlon. It only really comes up, I guess, in the in the public sphere during the Olympics, right? I mean, back in the day, you had, I mean, Bruce Jenner was the one that I remember because I'm old right. and I, those are the types of things that I remember. <laughs> but did you have a favorite event in that particular group of 10? Yeah, I, I really like the jumps, whether it be the long jump or triple jump. Uh, I probably like long jump the most. I really like, you know, running pretty much full speed and then just jumping as far as you could. That was basically the gist of that. Uh, triple jump was a little more technical. I enjoyed that as well, but I, I really like the long jump, just, you know, running all out and then jumping off that one foot and trying to go, go as far as you could. I really enjoyed that. But, yeah, both my brothers, actually, they did the decathlon as well in high school. Um, I was the first one to get all state, so that's kind of where – I got introduced to the decathlon because I had no idea what it was uh, when I was in elementary school and middle school, but then they did it, and then I did it in high school, and uh, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was fun. Now, I don't want to get too far away from football, but I guess that's not something every kid aspires to. What, what got you guys involved in the decathlon? My oldest brother, he is uh, nine years older than me. He played baseball when he was in high school, and then the last six weeks of his senior year, he decided he wanted to try track. He went out for track, and the coach was like, hey, we're about to do the decathlon. I think he'd be good at it. And he goes to the, the sub-state or the, the meet before the state. He wins it. And he really didn't have much practice at it at all. He kind of just listened to what coach said, did it, and then won it, and then got to go to state. Um, didn't get all state, but then he that kind of propelled him into his track career in college at Bryan College at the Christian College in Dayton, Tennessee. And then my middle brother, he came up in his freshman year and did the decathlon all the way through. And that's kind of where I got into it. Same thing, freshman year on, I did the decathlon, got better and better each year. And my oldest brother, he was actually the coach of the team. He coached me up on all the events, and we worked hard in the year, and it was fun. I was never really great at one event, but I was kind of well-rounded in all of them, so that made me you know, have some success in the, in the decathlon. Well, it's a great way to get closer to your brothers, too. That's cool. Exactly, yep. So getting back to football, how has that sport really shaped who you are today, Bryce? Yeah, I mean, that football has been a, a huge part of my life. Uh, you know, growing up playing it in elementary school, you kind of just play it because all your friends in your class are playing it, and you don't really think much of it. It's fun. You get to hit people. You get to run for touchdowns, catch passes, all that good stuff. But, you know, as I've gotten older and as I've, you know, kind of gone through high school and especially in college these last five years, it's 
it's really brought out, you know, who I am as a person and showed me a lot about myself and, you know, how I respond to adversity. You know, what am I willing to sacrifice to result that I want and how much work am I willing to put in to, you know, achieve a goal. And, you know, I think those are life lessons that you can take with you into to any part of life, whether it's, you know, the next job that you take or uh, the relationships that you have with your friends, family, wives, wherever the case may be. It's really helped me in terms of, you know, being the person I am today. Out of high school, you went to UT Chattanooga and you spent four years there. What will you remember the most about that time? Definitely the friends that I made and the teammates that I had. It was a great four years. And just coming into it, uh, my freshman year, you know, I didn't really know how, I, I mean, I knew college football was serious, but when you're actually thrown in it and you see, all that goes on behind the scenes and how much time people put in, you know, I was kind of not familiar with that. So coming in, you know, I just thought uh, making as many friends as possible, you know, have fun playing. And, you know, as I got more serious about it, I, but yeah, really the friends and the, the teammates that I had, I, I have a great relationship with the guys still keep up with a lot of them today. Some I'm sure will be friends forever and just, you know, experiencing that bond with them, you know, in the dorms, on the practice field, in the locker room, on road trips, whatever the case may be, that's, the stuff you'll remember um, the most. That's kind of what, what I remember the most about Chattanooga. So your sophomore year, you had a huge season, and there was one game that really stuck out above the rest. It was against the Citadel. You had a huge stat line. I mean, 10 catches for 268 yards, and you scored two touchdowns. Was that the best game of your career, and what do you remember about it? Yeah, it definitely was the best game of my career, that stat line for sure. I mean, you always hope that you have a huge game, but I would have never thought that I'd have almost 300 yards receiving on 10 catches. Um, but, yeah, that game in particular, I mean, it seemed like it felt like everything was clicking that game. It was my second game starting. It was my sophomore year. We were on the road against the Citadel. They ran the triple option. So we knew our time on offense was going to be limited. So the coaches did that. had a great game plan that week. They put me in spot to get me the ball and did a great job of moving me around different formations, different looks, and the quarterback played great. You know, he put the ball where it was supposed to be when it was supposed to be there. And, you know, the game kind of slowed down for me that game um, in terms of, okay, I just got to, you know, do what I'm supposed to do this week. And it, it all worked out. And it just seemed like everything was clicking, everything was going well. Uh, just kind of slowed down really that game for me. And it was awesome. It was something I'll remember for a very long time. Bryce, in basketball, there's a term, you're in a zone like Steph Curry, Michael Jordan, right, LeBron. They're yeah. in a zone. What are you feeling when the ball is coming to you and you're just catching everything in sight? I mean, are you also in a zone? Uh, yeah, I think that game, I remember thinking back on it, it was definitely like I was in a zone. Like I was, you know, running my route coming across the middle. And I remember one in particular, it, I was in the slide. It was fourth down, I think, and we needed the first down. And I'm running like a dig, you know, speed dig and – as soon as I turn my head, the ball's there, and I just bring my hands out, and it comes running in my lap. It was like I was in a zone because as soon as I turned my head around, the ball was there, and we got the first down. It was like, okay, wow. Things were just working well. Things were just clicking that game. The ball was just finding me. You know, I was making the catches, and it was a really cool feeling. So there's a Coach Harbaugh at Western Michigan. Not that one, and not that one either, but Coach uh, Greg Harbaugh, and he was your wide receiver coach at uh, UTC. Now he's your coach at Western Michigan. The guys developed some great players. I mean, you have Dwayne Eskridge, who's now with the Seattle Seahawks. 
Sky Moore, who's your teammate, who's you know putting up monster numbers. How much influence did he have, and what did he tell you about Western Michigan that helped you make that move? So he had a really strong influence on me deciding to come here uh, because I knew the way that he coached my sophomore year. Um, I knew what he brought to the table. I knew what he can get out of the guys. The things that he teaches the wide receivers in terms of your thought process and your fundamentals and, and everything, just as your every single play, you know, he doesn't take a play off in terms of coaching. So I experienced that my sophomore year. And then, you know, he left, that whole staff left. It was different. I felt like I was, you know, kind of stagnant at Chattanooga. You know, I didn't, I felt like I wasn't pushing myself, felt like I wasn't being pushed to the way that I knew he could push me. So when I decided to transfer, he was a huge influence on me deciding to come here because one, I already knew how he coached and I already knew, you know, what he expected of me. And he expected me to come in and, you know, do what I do. He knew he was familiar with me. So that was a huge influence. And, he, you know, he's good. He's a, he's a good coach. He's good at what he does. And he learned from some guys who are really good at what they do. So he's just carrying that on and he knows how to develop our receivers. Well, it certainly looks that way. So you make the move, right? You go from UTC to Western Michigan. You're probably thinking that you're going to kind of pick up where you left off with your old coach, all conference at UTC, whatever. And you, really not a lot of playing time at Western Michigan. So how have you handled that? It's definitely been tough. This is kind of the first time in my career, in my life, where you know I felt like I had worked the hardest I ever had since January because I knew this was my last year and I only had one more chance playing college football so I put so much into it and then the kind of experience not playing much this year it kind of hits you hard and you know it can get hard to overcome that so I try to handle it the best that I can in a professional way and I'd be lying if I said I came to practice every day and I was happy and I was you know ready to work because that that wasn't the case some days but I tried to you know put that aside as soon as I stepped on the field and just to try to get as good as I could and improve on on things I need to improve on every day at practice and, you know, just kind of waiting to see if anything would change or anything would happen. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely hard, definitely hard. Um, definitely learned a lot about myself, you know, kind of going through this. And like I said before, there's definitely some positives that came out of it um, with the way that I handled it and the way that I went about it. Um, I felt like I, I handled it as best as I could. You know, I didn't quit. I didn't give up. I didn't, you know, pout or anything I didn't you know put my head down and you know not practice or anything I kind of just strapped my pads on with practice every day and you know try to get better what specifically did you learn about yourself because you know I mean it's difficult I mean you'd be almost like a number one or number two receiver to you know just kind of hoping for a few reps what right. specifically have you learned about yourself through this process maybe even being on a football team yeah I guess the biggest thing that I learned about myself is how I or how I'm going to respond to adversity. I felt like I I did, you know, as good as I could. It was hard going from being, you know, the guy at Chattanooga and, you know, having the numbers that I had and then coming here and even winning the starting position in camp, having, a, you know, seven catches the first game, and then it kind of went downhill from there. It was really hard on me because I didn't feel like I was being told a – a reason why that was happening other than some you know things that are you know not many people would understand but I wasn't given a it wasn't like I was messing up the plays or you know not playing hard or dropping balls or whatever the case may be it was you know some other factors involved it was hard for me to to understand that so 
the biggest thing I learned is, you know, how I respond to, to things that, to me that don't make sense. And, you know, things that are happening to me, even though I put in so much work and so much time and still it didn't work out for me. So, you know, just how I responded to that, how I handled that, you know, I think it helped me grow a lot. Anything from Coach Harbaugh? Because it seems like, you, like you said, I mean, a huge influence. That's kind of the reason you went there. What's been his kind of demeanor or his uh, role in this kind of lack of playing time? Me and him have had plenty of conversations, especially early on in the year. And then me and him kind of just, we didn't have many conversations halfway through the year. And then we just had a good conversation at the end of the year. I won't get into all the details. I don't want to I'm not going to say anything about bad about anybody. It was different. His, I will say his demeanor was different than it was at Chattanooga. It was different all the way until week four, his demeanor changed. And then you can kind of see how kind of what goes on behind closed doors in this, in this business of college football. You know, not many people would understand that, but, you know, seeing it firsthand, it's a business. And uh, that's kind of what I experienced. Bryce, are you going to get some reps in the bowl game? I mean, usually seniors going out, they're going to get a chance to kind of showcase what they can do and play a little bit more. Are you going to get that chance? I hope so. I hope so, yeah. We have one guy who I'm not sure if he's going to play or not. He's kind of been battling some injuries. So I really am hopeful that I will, probably will have a conversation with, with him about that and just say, hey, you know, this is kind of my my last chance. I feel like I've done everything that I was supposed to do, you know, just kind of see what what they're thinking about that and I would love to get an opportunity to to play another another game and get some more opportunities there are a lot of players in the transfer portal every year what advice would you have for players who are about to make the jump from the FCS level to FBS my advice would be to do as much homework as you can on the program that you're thinking about going to really try to develop a relationship with the coach that's recruiting you or the head coach or whatever the case may be, whoever's wanting you to come to that school, you know, advise not to rush into a decision and don't make them rush you into a decision. Don't make them say, well, you got to tell us in a week or we're going to go get somebody else because that's the game that they play. And as part of recruiting, you know, they got a limited number of spots and they try to force you into making a decision quick. I would advise really do your homework. I'll think about what's the best fit for you in terms of, offense or the defense or whatever the case may be, whatever position you play, um, look at the roster, you know, all that good stuff. Really sit down and think about it and don't don't rush into a decision. Team-wise, I mean, you guys have had an up-and-down year, like you said, but, you know, you had two huge road wins. I mean, you beat two conference champions on the road at Pitt and then also at Northern Illinois in the MAC. What were the keys to pulling those off? Was there anything different about those games? Not really anything different in terms of our preparation throughout the week. I thought we had two really good weeks of practice those, those weeks, but we also had some good weeks of practice with the games that we lost, uh, such as Toledo or Central Michigan. The biggest difference that I could think of was just the belief. Um, I felt like going into pit, you know, nobody believed that we were going to lose. You know, we really felt like we had the game plan to go in there and attack their defense in a way that not many other teams could, and we did that. And, you know, our defense did make some plays, had some turnovers, and they we really played some good football that game. And, you know, it kind of just all worked out same way with this last game against Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois had already clinched the West, so we were kind of just trying to make a statement, uh, kind of, you know, what could have been, I guess, for the year if we had gone out and executed the way that 
we had during some games. And that's that's the hardest part is just staying consistent throughout the year because it's a long year. And, you know, people get tired, people get hurt, banged up, whatever the case may be. So really just trying to stay consistent was hardest thing for, for a season. And I felt like we did that this last week and the pit week. What makes your quarterback a special signal caller? I think it's his leadership. He's a really good leader. He really goes out of his way to, to talk with almost everybody on the team. I think I think he's hung out with everybody on the team at least once. Really goes out of his way to try to develop a relationship with everybody, whether you're a freshman or a six-year senior. You know, he's trying to, to let you know that, you know, he's the leader of the team. He's a competitor and uh, wants to win as bad as anybody. Those are two traits really make him special. What would you say is your biggest strength as a player? I would say my ability to identify coverages pre-snap and kind of, you know, play that to my hand in terms of what route I'm running, kind of my thought process before the ball is even snapped. Um, I've gotten a lot better with that since I got here in May, Um, you know, understanding what route I'm running and the leverage of the defender and what I want to make him think I'm doing. I've gotten really good at that, and I felt like I've, I've improved on that a lot. What do you think you still need to improve upon between now and the NFL draft? I think I can still improve on my releases. Um, I felt like I've gotten a lot better at it. I've faced a lot more of it in practice since I got here in May. Um, you know, press coverage, I, I feel like I've, I've gotten better at my releases, but I can still definitely improve on that. I can definitely improve on catching in traffic, whether it be, you know, on two defenders or whatever the case may be, work on catching in traffic, just – everything that relates to that. All right, your team won 7-5 and five this year. You're going to play against Nevada in a quick lane bowl. It's in Detroit. It's in your backyard. It's two hours away from Kalamazoo. What has the early preparation been like for this game? Have you started you know, doing the prep work on Nevada? Not yet, but we just found out on Sunday that we were playing them. And so our coaches are breaking down the film right now to um, getting the game plan ready for us, and we're, we're starting practice on Thursday. But before that, we were we were working out and running in, in the weight room with our strength coach, and um, we also had one practice last weekend, just uh, some individual work, some seven-on-seven, one-on-one, stuff like that, try to get our legs back and stay in shape as best we could. So the preparation will actually start on Thursday when the game plan's in, and, and we'll get the ball rolling on the better. Well, let's hope that their quarterback is going to play, Carson Strong, and let's hope their wide receiver plays, Romeo Dobbs. So it's going to be a high-scoring affair if everybody plays because you guys are going to score a lot of points as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. They've got a good offense, and they put up a lot of points. You know, we do too. So, yeah, you know, if everybody's playing, I I expect a high-scoring game and a, a competitive game for sure. Now, I know one of the tenets of playing football is you never want to look too far ahead. But obviously, right. you've got this bowl game coming up in the next few weeks, like Alex said, against Nevada. What's next for you after that? What are the next steps for you? Yeah, so after the bowl game, um, I'm planning on playing in the, the Tropical Bowl in January in Orlando. And, you know, kind of just another opportunity to show what I can do in front of scouts. Uh, just focus on my craft and, you know, me as a player. So that's what's next. And then after that, I'll start the pro day training process you know train for whatever seven eight weeks i think is what it is you know i'll start doing that have the pro day just go from there just put my best foot forward and and work as hard as i can every day and you know take care of what i need to take care of and you know that's all i can do bryce who are you training with to prep for the draft 
I haven't finalized it yet. I have a, a few different options depending on, you know, what me and my agent decide on. There's really narrowed it down to two or three people that I'm thinking about. We haven't finalized it yet. That will be coming up very soon. So it's either going to be in Florida or North Carolina or, or Tennessee, maybe somewhere in uh, Texas. I'm not sure yet. So we'll get down. We'll sit down and talk about that stuff and kind of what areas I need to improve on and go with a trainer that, you know, is, is the best at improving on those areas. What's your height, weight, and your 40 time, if you can reveal it? Are you a, a high 4-4 guy? Yeah, so we actually ran the 40 this summer and on, on laser time, and I ran a a four five two laser, but I don't know if this is true. I'm not sure because I didn't run the 40 on the game field. I ran it in the indoor turf, which is thicker, and guys said that when they ran on the indoor turf, their times were slower than when they ran out on the game turf, and it was storming the day we ran it, so we had to run indoors. And I ran a four five two. So I, everybody told me I'd be a high four four guy, but I've never ran a high four four, so I'm not. I'm not sure. I would like to think so. I think I can get it down definitely in the four fours uh, once I train for it. And I am excited about that. You know, getting the fastest I've ever, that I ever have been. Oh, and my height is. Uh, I'm a little under six one, so about six foot and a half. I believe my weight is about 193 right now. It's been holding steady for the past couple of years, the 193. Right, yep, it's been steady. It's been steady. There was a time my junior year at Chattanooga, I got up to like 198, 200. Felt like I was I was slow. I was slower. I really feel like 195, you know, around there, 193 is, is a good weight for me um, in terms of, you know, being fast and moving and, and all that good stuff. So before we let you get out of here, uh, I just noticed this looking at my notes, you've gone from two cities with very iconic names in American folklore, Chattanooga and Kalamazoo. They probably got songs written about them and so forth. But but I did notice there was a significant change in the hairstyle from Chattanooga, Tennessee to Kalamazoo, Michigan. Was that by design? <laughs> uh, no, no, it was not. That's funny that you that you say that. Um, you know, my hair was pretty much short at Chattanooga, and then um, going into 2020 and COVID, everything shut down, and my hair got long. It's never been that long before, but I got a lot of positive feedback from my friends, family, everything. They were like, "Hey, that looks good. You know, you, maybe you should keep it long." And and when the stores opened back up, I kind of just rolled with it, and it was long, and I've kept it long since then. So people like it. Uh, didn't intend on doing it. It has been a, a little change that, you know, I, I didn't even think about doing. Well, embrace change, Bryce. That's the one piece of advice I would give you. Right. So this is the time of the, the interview or chat where you get the chance to uh, plug your uh, social media handles, anything you're working on, any foundations, just any anything you want to plug. Go right ahead. You can follow me on Twitter at B Nunley, N-U-N-N-E-L-O-Y. Uh, that's my Twitter handle. My Instagram handle is Bryce. B-R-Y-C-E underscore Nunley, N-U-N-N-E-L-L-Y. I'm on both of those platforms. That's pretty much all I had to promote right now. Yeah, thank you guys for you know giving me that, that opportunity. All right, good luck. I hope you get some action in that game against Nevada, and uh, good luck in your prep, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Yes, sir. Yep, thank you guys. I appreciate it. All right, thanks, Bryce. Let's move along. 
Pittsburgh and Baltimore. What I don't know how great a game it was to watch, but there's certainly a lot of theater in the fourth quarter. Big Ben kind of summoning his inner youth in some cases, but you know, he was able to make plays when he needed to make plays. He's at an age where you're not going to see that every week, but in a game where they kind of were called out, not only by their coaches, the media, you know, everybody, and they got it done. They made the plays when they had to. It didn't look good at the end when Ravens went for two and it looked like the play was there, but T.J. Watt kind of saves the day, makes Lamar shift his uh, arm angle, and the Andrews was there. I think it was the right call by Harbaugh to go for it. You can win it. You got the ball in your best player's hands. Just go do it right now. Forget about overtime. And it just didn't work out. But uh, as far as Ben's concerned, I believe this is it for him and the Steelers. You may see some more glimpses, but I don't think it's going to be consistent enough for them to get in the playoffs. And if they do get in, it's not going to last long. Call me selfish, but I want to see Big Ben continue to play. I think if he's got the itch, he should be given the opportunity to go elsewhere because of what he has done. I look at his numbers from 2020, Lou. I mean, this is a quarterback that threw 33 touchdowns and almost 4,000 yards. He is different this year with, what, 16 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. I'm not saying that Big Ben has to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game, but he can go to a team and be a game manager with the strong running game, and half of the teams in the league would be lucky to have somebody like him. In the 2004 class that he came in at, Philip Rivers retired, Eli Manning retired, so Big Ben is the only one standing right now. So I want to see him continue on, and I think he still has a year or two left, not with the Steelers, but with somebody else. Half of the teams in this league would be lucky to have him as the starting quarterback, just not the guy carrying the team, but being that caretaker and you know taking the possible team to the playoffs. Well, in my opinion, I don't believe he wants to do that, nor will he do that. The second question would be is what team would be ready-made for him to step in and be the guy that's going to be good enough for him to say, hey, we've got a shot with a team, because most of the teams that would need him aren't that good all around him. Do the Packers move on from Rodgers? Deshaun Watson, he's going to get traded, but you know he's not going to go to Houston to you know, play his last year. I think he's going to retire a Steeler. This is it. If he stays and they keep him, yes. But in my opinion, he's done at the end of this year, however long that goes. And he rides off into the sunset, legacy intact. I don't think it would destroy his legacy by playing somewhere else, but I just can't see him as a competitor going somewhere to just be there just to collect a check and just to be on the team. Where is he going to play? Whose program is going to want you know to bring in a guy that's 40 years old and looks every bit of it? Brady's the outlier, and he does not look like he's 44. His body is not of a 44-year-old man, where I think Roethlisberger, eh, you know, yes, he's a professional athlete, but I got to believe he's on the lower end of the spectrum as far as the shape that he's in. I tend to think that this is it for him. I think there are two teams that I think will be interested in his services. I think these two teams will be 
vying for a quarterback in the first round of the NFL draft, but they might bring in Big Ben to mentor that young quarterback and be the starter, be that bridge gap type of quarterback. I think he might be willing to do that. I would say two teams, the Denver Broncos, they're always looking for a quarterback, it seems like. Now, I don't see Teddy Bridgewater being there next year. And another team is the Carolina Panthers. I mean, that's also a team that had high hopes with Sam Darnold. They've collapsed down the stretch. They've fired Joe Brady. I think Big Ben would be a really good piece to bring in for a season because I think both the Panthers and the Denver Broncos will be drafting a quarterback in the first round. I just don't see Ben, you know, wanting to make that, especially Carolina, because I don't know that they're viewed as a Super Bowl contender if you change the quarterback. I think it's close, but I think that whole program is about youth, and they're kind of sitting there stuck with that fifth-year option with Sam. That's a tough one. But, yeah, maybe it does. I just, you know, just, I just don't get that vibe from Ben that that's what he wants to do is just, hey, Steeler for life, that's it. All right, let's go to our second guest. He's a tight end for the Georgia State Panthers and pride of Locust Grove, Georgia, number 88, Aubrey Payne. Aubrey, welcome to Pros Like Us. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's great to hear somebody from down south. Uh, We're just talking off air about how terrible the weather is up this way, but uh, enough about that. Football, what is your all-time favorite moment playing this game? I think my all-time favorite moment would have to be 2019 when we went up to Tennessee and uh, beat Tennessee, you know, not not really uh, knowing what to expect going into that game and being the first game that we've ever beat a Power 5 opponent. Um, I think that was by far my favorite moment in the entire time I've ever played. Well, what do you remember specifically about the game? I remember getting out there and, like, feeling the fans and stuff and thinking, wow, this is this must be – just how it is every weekend. And then all of a sudden starting to play him and, and it was just like, these guys do not want to play us. And then, you know, getting out there and just basically moving the ball up and down the field the entire game and never really being stopped. It was a different feeling than I thought I was going to feel. Was an SEC school just overconfident on that day? I'm not sure if they were overconfident or they were just looking ahead to the next week, you know, like not really maybe being overconfident thinking that, you know, we were just going to be a rollover team. And as soon as they, you know, scored a couple on us, we were going to lay down. But obviously that's not what happened. Well, before you arrived at Georgia State, you chose to go to Western Carolina coming out of high school. What drew you to that football program? So when I was coming out of high school, I had committed to East Carolina for a long time. Uh, That's whenever Coach Ruffin McNeil was still the head coach over there. And right going into, I believe, mid-December, he ended up getting fired. Um, It was kind of a shocker. So I was kind of panicking, trying to figure out where I was going to go and stuff. Um, My SAT scores were not the greatest, and so people weren't really looking at me. So the first and really last thing that stuck with me was Western Carolina, and they were in my house the next day after I told them, you know, my SAT scores were not great. Um, I had the head coach, uh, Mark Spear, and Coach Ray, the D-line coach at the time. You know, they were at my house the next day. That right there showed me that they they cared and they wanted me. Um, and then going up there, man, you know, the mountain area and just being secluded was something that I needed. And I liked the, the college atmosphere. I think that was the biggest keys for me wanting to go up there. So you spent a couple of seasons there. Why did you eventually decide to transfer to Georgia State? What's the story behind it? You know, I had a, a decent freshman season. Started six of the ten games, I believe. I was hurt one of them. And then going into my second year, I had these big hopes and stuff. 
and ended up getting hurt and tearing my hamstring, um, which was put me out for 12 to 15 weeks. You know, I just wasn't having a good time. I felt like I was kind of excluded from everything. Um, and just mentally, and, and was having some issues at home too. And I think the the mental aspect of it really pushed me down. So, um, and then I think me and my position coach just really didn't get along all that well. So I made the decision to try to move back closer to home. Originally, was going to go to Georgia Southern because it was in the state, and at the time, that was the only people that were looking at me. Uh, but obviously, that didn't work out, and, and I kind of stayed even closer to home. You play in the shadows of. Uh... Yeah, University of Georgia, Georgia Tech, some big-time schools, big-time programs down there. How do you all get respect within the state when, uh, kind of a bird's-eye view, Georgia State is behind those programs? Right. I think with us being a smaller college, or not even a smaller college, a, a newer program, I think it's hard to get the respect from these bigger programs. But I think whenever we go in and SEC schools and don't get, you know, put up 45 points on us or anything like that and even win some of these games, I think that's a huge thing that, that can help us build that respect that we need and that we deserve. Um, and then especially just beating teams like Georgia Southern almost every year. I mean, even like this year, going into Auburn, having the lead the entire game, and then just the last play of the game really is whenever everything went south. You know, just things like that. I think that's how we can earn the respect of these teams that are in you know the Southern District and stuff like that. Aubrey, I mean, during your career at Georgia State, you've caught 39 receptions, and you've scored 11 touchdowns. It's a high ratio compared touchdowns with receptions. Is the offense designed to go to the tight ends in the red zone? Or do you just have a knack for finding open space in the red zone? Coach Glenn being a fantastic offensive coordinator, I think the offense is just designed to get people the ball whenever it's, it's time. So I think whether or not it's me or it's the receivers or it's the running backs, because obviously we put up a bunch of rushing yards this year and the past couple of years that I've been here. Whoever we're trying to attack that week, I think that's who's going to get open, and I think that's where the ball is going to go. Whether it's us, me, between me and Roger, or you know it's the, the guys out wide, or even the running backs that we have, I think the RPO aspect of our offense is so strong, and I think that's what you know obviously draws in those safeties and the linebackers to help me get open in the red zone. The offense is just built for the red zone because, I mean, we're there all the time. The OC has done a great job with that. Your team has won six of their last seven games, and you've won three consecutive games to end the season. What was the difference for you guys down the stretch in the second half of the season? Well, I definitely think we made a, a smart decision as the coaching staff decided to put in Darren Granger. I love quad to death. I thought he was a, is a great quarterback. And I think he's going to be a great quarterback for another program since he is transferring. But I thought that was what changed the morale of the offense and changed the way that we looked at the team. We knew it was going to be a tough first five games with the Army, UNC, Charlotte, even Auburn. Like I, We knew it was going to be a tough first four to five games. So turning that around and, and flipping the script, I think that was the biggest thing that was helping us be motivated with that Charlotte win and then and then going back. And I think the ULM game was the one where we blew them out and stuff. So I think those were just big wins that turned it around for us and I think it gave more confidence for the, the coaching staff and the players. Let's talk about a couple specific games earlier this year at ULM, six receptions. And I think at the time, it still may be the case, the only two TD game in your life. And you, I think you were quoted as saying that that's going back to peewee ball. How can that be true? Yeah. You know, I, I can't remember peewee ball all that well. I, I played O-line for a couple years when I first started, but then I started playing running back. So I can't remember all those days. But from what I can think of right now, I know 
especially middle school and high school, I, I have never scored more than one touchdown a game until, you know, the ULM game. It was definitely a great night, a great team win, and uh, it was fun for sure. Also, you had guys had a big win at Coastal Carolina, kind of the uh, the name school, if you would, in the Sun Belt, uh, along with Appalachian State and, you know, others. I mean, that, that league really growing over the last few years. Now, you play on the same field as a big-time tight end. We've had him on the show, Isaiah Likely. What do you recall most about the game? And then specifically, do you watch the other tight end when the other team has the ball? Oh, yeah. I'm a big offensive want to learn, want to learn more about the offense, how different coaches run their offense and how they are able to, I mean, just move the ball down the field, how they're able to get people in, in the places that they need to be. Just watching that game, the the fans were pretty great. Um, being able to score and then, you know, look at some of them in the face and just see their, their morale just slowly going down. But, yeah, obviously I love watching other tight ends. I think the tight ends in the league do a great job with this cancer they have every year now and, and just being – almost like a big family, even though they're on different teams. I think the tight end group as a whole is something that gets overlooked. And I think everybody coming together is, is a huge aspect for the tight end, I guess, group. I do enjoy watching Isaiah Like I think he's one of the, if not the greatest tight end in the league right now. You know, there's obviously some big guys in the, the power five, but I think he's got some of the best hands I've ever seen. Um, and he's a great vertical threat tight end. But I think the biggest aspect of the game that I remember is just the turning point. Either the interception that almost got returned all the way or maybe whenever one of the scored his second touchdown against something like that. But, yeah, it was just I felt the, the difference in the game, and I, and I knew we were going to win the game. It was definitely a fun day. Certainly an exciting one. You mentioned tight end you. I know that, you know, Kittle, Kelsey, those guys do one in the NFL. You're saying that the Sun Belt does the same thing? I don't know if we do the same thing, but we always, you know, meet up after the end of the games and we talk and just talk, even if it's just a brief little, you know, hey, man, you had a great game or anything like that. I think just showing that respect to these other tight ends, even though, like, you know, we're competing for spots in the league or just competing for being the best tight end. But I think I think that competition helps everybody, you know, be a better player. Um, and I think that's something that has helped me and Roger, you know, with the competing with each other. I think just become better people and better players on the field um, and just the same way as competing for that the all sun belt at the end of the year or trying to be an all American or something like that. That's helped us be better competitors for each other. So now you guys play on Christmas day of all days against ball state in your bowl game. Uh, so congratulations on qualifying and, and getting that invite. Have you ever played on Christmas day? Last year we didn't go for a typical bowl. week like they usually do. Like we usually go three, four, five days in advance, but last year was just like an overnight thing. But yeah, we left on Christmas day last year. So, no, I haven't actually played on Christmas before, but we left on Christmas last year and played on the 26th. It's definitely a, a different experience because, you you know, obviously you want to spend time with the family and stuff like that and, and be around people like that. But I think for a lot of guys, especially on our team, I think we enjoy being around each other so much that that is our family. Being able to play with your brothers and, and your family is something that you just you'll always remember. This is the I mean, last game you'll play for Georgia State besides family and so forth. I mean, if you can just kind of capsulize, what, what do you think the emotions you'll, you'll feel kind of going through the game and then after the game? I uh, definitely felt those emotions after my senior night, you know, against Troy a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we were getting towards the end of the game, and my coach, Coach Step, he asked us, he was like, you know, what do you want to do and stuff. And we, I, I think I remember saying just I want me and Roger to go in, you know, 12 personnel and, and then come out at the same time. And, and he ended up making that happen, called a timeout, and then all the emotions hit me, started crying, you know, man, just through the ups and downs that have happened, I think 
this is one of the greatest experiences I've had in my life, you know, transferring and coming to a great place like this. Um, and I definitely think I'm going to feel those emotions again as soon as, even if, as soon as we get out there to start playing, because, I mean, who knows if I'll play again. I think that's something that all of us have to think about as football players is eventually this time is going to end. We just don't know exactly when. So um, being able to take advantage of the game and, and being out there, I think, is the biggest thing for me and, and hopefully not let my emotions get too crazy until the end of the game. What are some of the things that you learned from Coach Step throughout these years? I think the biggest thing that I've learned from Coach Step is the fact that he is such a family man that he knows when to put family over football. Because at the end of the day, man, football is a game and a game that we all love. But football is the game. And I think family is first. And, and he does a great job being a mentor and being that figure that all these kids need. And, you know, because we always talk about it. He's one of the best coaches. And, and all of us, even the whole team, we all know it, that he's one of the best coaches that has been around. And I think the family aspect of it, and I think the discipline aspect of it, because he's one of those guys that will say the same thing over and over and over again until – um, you know, he's blue in the face, but I think just being able to repeat that stuff, even the little stuff, you know, maybe so keeping the elbow in inside the knees and making sure it's good posture and stuff like that, making sure your head's up, whether you drop the ball, catch the touchdown or whatever, just making sure those details are in place. And I think he's done a great job with that. During the interview, you already mentioned your teammate, the other tight end on your team, Roger Carter. You make up the top tight end tandem in the Sun Belt as far as everybody's concerned. What have you learned from Roger? What are some of the things that you have picked up on that he has taught you through the years? Um, like I said earlier, man, I think being able to come in and both of us having three years left um, really helped us just become those competitors that wanted to, to either beat each other out or just make each other better. Because, you know, at first we really didn't know each other all that well. And then over time, just creating that bond that we have has made us into better competitors. But I think the biggest thing from Roger is is kind of like Coach Step. He's just – he does the little things right. He goes in. He doesn't really say all that much. And I think I can say this for everybody. He just really doesn't say all that much. But when it comes to playing and, and being that competitor, I think he's over the top, and I think he does what he's supposed to do and more. So and I think learning that from him and learning that discipline, just like Coach Step has, and maybe even from Coach Step, that discipline – and he's shown me a lot from that. Um, and then just being a good friend, man, being somebody that you can lean on whenever stuff's going down. And, and when stuff's high, you don't get too high. You know what I mean? He's just one of those really, really good guys to be around and one of those good teammates to be around. So the final whistle blows. Aubrey, you're back home. What's next? Well, the goal, obviously, I think for everybody is to try to make the run at the league and try to make the whatever it is, you know, man, just have a great pro day and just try to get either drafted or free agent picked up and just make that mini camp, you know, just see where you're at, man. Just try to push your body to the limits. And I think that's a goal every, every football player, every MLB player, you know what I mean? So all these kids have when they're younger and then hope to God that that will happen whenever they're older. So I think that's the plan right now. And I think obviously if that doesn't work out, I think I want to get into coaching, you know, because with coach step being around, I, I see the way that he's able to affect kids at my age and kids that are younger and I want to be able to do that for kids that I want to recruit and kids that are going to be around me. So we go back to Coach Step. He's just been such a great mentor for me, and I want to be something like that for somebody else. Reach that time of the interview where we give you a chance to plug your socials, uh, any foundations you're involved with, anything you want to plug. 
Time's yours. My Instagram and my Twitter are both the same. I think it's Aubrey, A-U-B-R-Y underscore Payne, P-A-Y-N-E. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's really it, man. All right, very good. We appreciate the time. Good luck in the bowl game. And then moving forward, Aubrey, it was great, and uh, thanks for your time. Thank you guys so much. All right, thank you, Aubrey. And let's go Panthers on Christmas Day. We talked about Isaiah Likely, some of the other tight ends in uh, in the Sun Belt. What's your opinion of the Sun Belt tight ends? I think Likely is going to be a early day two pick. I mean, teams are looking for athletic guys, guys that can stretch the field, guys that have good speed and can separate. He certainly can do that. Aubrey mentioned that this guy has very good hands, and I agree with that. He seems to catch everything that comes his way. So there's a lot of potential there. Isaiah Likely is definitely going to be an option. I don't think he's going to be a first-round guy, but I think he could still put like 10 more pounds. Uh, he can get stronger. He can get faster during his you know, NFL prep work for the pro day. More people will be talking about him once they see him at the Senior Bowl. I mean, with all due respect to Coastal Carolina and all the success that they've had the last two years, not many people pay attention to the Sun Belt. They usually watch the Big Ten, the SEC, whatever, the Pac-12. I think a lot more people are going to catch on once they see Likely in Mobile, Alabama. You know, I am livid right now, Lou. Like in oh, terms whoa, of, whoa, all right. <laughs> I am livid because money talks. And, you know, Mario Cristobal was with the Miami Hurricanes before. He was an assistant there. He built a heck of a program at Oregon that's competing for the Pac-12 title. And, you know, he's done really well recruiting out there. But he got the chance. The Hurricanes offered him the, the job of his life, I would assume, based on the interviews that he has done. And he bolted. So now the Oregon job is open. I would want that job because... The last couple of recruiting classes have been awesome. And if I can get Spencer Rattler as my quarterback to transfer in there, I'd take that. So I don't know like which way Oregon is going to go, but it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. But I would assume that it might be another power coach that goes from one program to take that Oregon job because we've seen Cristobal do it. We've seen Lincoln Riley do it. We've seen Brian Kelly do it. So coaches this offseason it's like unlike any other offseason that i've seen before so many big time coaches leaving powerhouse jobs to take on another reviving project i would say because i mean lsu and usc and and miami they need to be fixed but there are quick fixes if you recruit well then these coaches are going to be successful and they know that because they can win the national championship there uh, because of what these programs have done in their previous history so again it's it's been an exciting off season and again i'll i'll say it a third time money talks absolutely well thanks to our guests stay alert for show number two this week again two shows this week if you haven't already please subscribe if you have thank you for that and as always on the way out peace